Welcome back to the Tulsa World Sports Podcast featuring the one and only Eli Letterman and myself, Eric Bailey, talking everything Oklahoma athletics. Eli, say it with me, S-E-C. Here we go. S-E-C. Time. Well, I, I guess it's not time, but we, now we know the time. Well, you know what's going on. It, it's really funny because when we, we schedule these podcasts, you know, it just depends on our schedule. A lot of times we, we're trying to get a schedule down and things happen and you couldn't ask for a better setup for a podcast this week. It comes right after the SEC announcement. Usually we, we record this on Wednesday, so it worked out well. We're doing this on a Friday and it comes just less than 24 hours after Oklahoma announces it is joining the SEC in 2024, joining Texas with that move. And it's something I think a lot of Oklahoma fans are excited about. Yeah, I mean, this, I guess in some ways has been a long time coming ever since, what, July 2021 when very first inkling that uh that this was coming that OU and Texas were headed to the SEC that question after that was was when uh we know that contractually that that grant of rights kept OU and Texas here till 2025 publicly that was you know what what we heard whether it was Joe Castiglione or Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark was that that was the date until something changed uh but we also know behind closed doors that there was a lot of uh momentum and drive sounds like from OU in Texas and the Big 12. I think kind of getting, we, we've talked, I think, in the past about an unhappy marriage, right? Mm-hmm. I think for all involved, maybe except for the TV partners and early exit was uh, was the desired outcome. That's where they got. But the push there uh, had to come from, you know, an agreement with all the involved parties. And uh, what we were on here last week talking about how the reporting out there nationally was that uh, there was momentum, but that the TV contracts were, were the issue. And that at, at the time, about a week ago, sounded like it was going to keep OU in Texas here until 2025. But then, what, a week later, here we are talking about an agreement that's going to see OU in Texas forfeit something like a combined $100 million in, in future revenues and distribution. Uh, clearly, they figured out a way to, to make, uh, I think it was Fox, really, with the television network that was going to have its contract impacted. Uh, they've been made whole somehow, and and here we are now staring down uh, OU in Texas headed to the SEC in 2024. Eli, you put it perfectly into words last week when me and you were just talking on our own. What was the analogy you said? It's like uh, well, it's a, a breakup. Yeah. You got to finish the lease, and that's what this was. <laughs> and the at, at times, this felt similarly icy and awkward, didn't it? It really did. I mean, it goes back to last week when the schedule came out and Oklahoma and Texas made no mention on their website of the 2023 football schedule at all. No press releases or anything like that. There was a lot of awkwardness. And this goes back to, like you said, this goes back to last year when when the announcement was made that the schools were making this move. Uh, You know, Bob Bowlesby was the then commissioner. And, you know, weeks before Oklahoma and Texas, the news broke that they were going to depart for the SEC. Bob Bowlesby felt like the Big 12 was in a, a, a position of strength really felt confident. And then weeks later, he was caught off guard by this. And we've had this discussion so many times about when it was going to happen. You mentioned Joe Castiglione. Every time we talked to him on the record, even off the record, we just got, hey, is it really going to be 2025? And he never wavered from that. Of course, contractually, he has to say 2025. But, you know, you'd wonder, you know, are you trying to get out in 2024? There was never any mention that. He really stuck to his guns, uh, you know, simply because, you know, he couldn't put himself out there. But it was interesting that this all came together just a couple of weeks after it seemed like this was doomed. We saw some national reports a couple of weeks ago, like you said, where uh, everyone thought that, you know, Oklahoma was going to be in the SEC through 25. So this was this was really interesting how this is, came to fruition. 
Yeah, and it, it kind of sparks some questions. You met, you mentioned Bob Bowles, but you wonder that if he were still in this job, would it be any different? I don't know. Um, you wonder, you know, the reasons why Oklahoma and Texas uh, were so eager to get out. I mean, maybe it is as simple just wanting to get onto that next thing, uh, you know, get get out of that, you know, the lease and the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, the, the the other questions there are, you know, is it too could could OU have used the extra year? There's going to be a big undertaking heading to the SEC far beyond football. I know this is largely a football conversation and it should be because we're not here because of any other sport, but football, that's what's driven this. But uh, there's, there's facilities, there's hiring, there's a lot of stuff OU's got to do on top of getting its football program SEC ready. And, uh, and now they've got one less year to do it. So that, that may be as we project forward could be a lingering question, but uh, there's certainly a lot of interesting around this. And I think a lot for us still to find out in terms of how this happened why there was this push for 2024 again maybe it's really simple of just get to your final destination but uh it's all developed fast as, as a lot of this has and, and now we'll see where we go from here you're exactly right eli i mean that's the thing we're going to find out a lot in the next upcoming days weeks and months about how this all came together uh as this moves on and, and you're right this this has a lot of you know you see a lot of positives for oklahoma you see a lot of positives for texas in this movement the big 12 too i mean this is a conference that could go after expansion and could go after some other schools and and i think the big 12 is going to grow i've been impressed with what they've been doing and putting together in terms of being aggressive with both their tv contract and and also it sounds like expansion too so we'll see what happens with the big 12 moving forward for oklahoma this is really going to be interesting because you know, Oklahoma fans have been waiting for kind of new blood to come to the football stadiums. You know, you're going to see some SEC schools coming on in conference games. I mean, how much fun is it going to be to see a Georgia, Florida, you know, even an Arkansas come into Norman and play in football? I think this is going to rejuvenate everything, this fan base. They're excited about the move, but we it does go beyond football. I think that's the big thing. You, you mentioned that. I, I think we see softball, the facilities of softball are going to be you know, par with what the SEC is doing. But then baseball, there needs to be some upgrades with the facilities in baseball. All you have to do is look toward Fayetteville and see what their facilities are like. And it's amazing. It's night and day between what Arkansas has and Oklahoma has. That being said, Oklahoma can win It's it, it, at baseball because you look at what they did last year. They were just two wins from a national championship. So the potential is there. But you're right. You do have to get everything in order, get your house in order for this movement. I mean, in basketball, men's basketball, you need, you need you know, it's going to be an easier league. That's for sure. And I, I say easier. Uh, it's all relative. I mean, no, it's going to be tough, it's tough to win games always. But the Big 12 is a monster this year. So, uh, yeah, please, SEC fans, don't hate me already because I'm saying the SEC is easier basketball league. I'm not saying that. You're not I'm, making fast friends here, Eric. <laughs> I know, huh? It's like me with the UCF uh, folks. They don't like me. I, yeah, yeah. I will say this. The, my TV right now is on the SEC network. I'm going to learn that. <laughs> I'm going to start learning everything on the SEC network, on ESPN uh, so we'll get that done. But there, you're right, Eli. There's a lot of things that have to happen between now and 24. That, you know, the, the time, the, the, the timeline, it's moving. Everything is looking forward now. I mean, in, in a couple months, we may be looking at an SEC OU uh, schedule for 2024. Uh, are they going to play eight conference games? Are they going to play nine conference games? You know, is Oklahoma going to have, a, you know, regular games with Texas, which I think I'd almost think they'd have to figure out a way to play that Texas game. You know, who else are going to be permanent opponents? I mean, will A&M, will Arkansas? Missouri, I've seen all kinds of things out there, a lot of projections, and that's going to be part of the next SEC spring meetings are going to be so important for us to watch in terms of scheduling, Eli, because we're going to figure out what they're going to do in this league and how they're going to schedule football. Yeah, and I mean, as it relates OU football, this does speed things up. Uh, if, if it had been 2025, we would have been talking about 
OU going to the SEC in, in year four with Brent Venables. Year three, tell me if I've got my math right here. I think it would have been, that, would, that first season would have been the third season for, so fourth year for Brent Venables, third season for this uh, incoming class, Jackson Arnold, Peyton Bowen, all them. Now you move all that up a year. And uh, I see you doing the math with, with your eyes. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, I am. I am. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. So yeah, that would have been year three, and and you know, if we're really projecting out here, and, and that's exactly what we're doing. You know, you're talking about year two starter Jackson Arnold, and mm-hmm. and and maybe year two or three contributor from some of those guys on the defense. Now that's sped up. I mean, I, I think realistically, you could be looking at Jackson Arnold's first year, your first year, likely without Dylan Gabriel, as in the SEC. Does that mean something different now? Uh, does does you know the ability to have stacked one more recruiting class uh, that that you would have gotten hanging around another year? Those are going to be tangible impacts. That the, the the acceleration is is there, uh, and and getting this program intact. And I, I think they're well on their way. We, we saw what they did in this recruiting class and and the momentum they've got going. But from a team that finished six and seven last year, you're one under Brent Venables. Uh, the SEC is now coming fast, and and there's going to have to be. Uh, a lot of improvement and infrastructure all around it to, to get ready just for, for that jump itself. You mentioned recruiting. It's going to be so interesting, too. When you think about it, uh, Oklahoma has always been able to sell that, you know, Brent Venables could go in a house and say, we're going to join the SEC. Well, now he has a date. Now he has a timeline. Now he yeah. tells his recruits that this is when we're making the move. And I think, you know, I think you did see some of the benefits of the SEC move in, in recruiting this past year. I think you'll see it even more because he knows when he can tell these players, these prospects, when they're going to start playing football in the SEC. So I think that we'll see so many things are impacted. You're right. Everything's spiraling out. It's like a spider web. We're starting to see everything, cut, you know, how it's going to go out and everything too. So that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Um, I'm excited. I, I, I texted uh, an OU administrator yesterday saying this is, you know, I don't know. It, it invigorates me. It really does. I, I don't know if I could uh, wait and see if um, 2025, I don't know if I could have waited until 2025, you know, because it's going to be fun to see follow the SEC schools, what's going to happen in the conference. I mean, I think Oklahoma fans are really going to keep a close eye to conference standings in the SEC this coming season, too, because they want to see what's going on. So it's just going to be a lot of fun, Eli. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it sets up, yeah, in terms of if it accelerates things for, you know, OU football and OU and Texas, it accelerates things for all of us. Uh, and it's going to make for, I think, a really exciting next, you know, 18 months, two years where you've got, you're going to have all the lasts of the big 12. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, but I don't think we can overstate enough how, what I'm sure will be surrounding that Bedlam game, November 4th and still are the very last one is as, as far as we're concerned for, for quite some time and, and all that, all those last runs through the big 12 will be something, but then on the horizon, like you said, like, we're, it's going to be time to start looking at those SEC, uh, standings and watching those games it's going to be time for us to go to sec media days i think uh and get ourselves ingratiated with the the sec crowd um so there's a lot of exciting stuff ahead and i I think this is this is what the move in in july of 2021 promised was was excitement um was obviously this move and all it's going to bring and and now we're slow for the ride and and you're right there'll be a lot of uh farewells it'll you know i what i do hate is, you know, Oklahoma has played football against, and we're going to talk about Bedlam a lot in the next, you know, year, you know, but I'm going to hate seeing those series, you know, with Kansas, with Kansas State, with Iowa State, these schools that were former Big 8 schools that Oklahoma severing ties with, 
it's going to be tough seeing those schools uh, because there's the history between those schools. And what will these farewell tours be like? I think we'll hear a lot of SEC chants, especially if the teams beat an OU. Uh, but then we'll hear some SEC chants from OU fans. You know, in years past when OU fans would beat like an Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, I still remember that in the 2016 season, the SEC chants were loud and it was kind of mocking the league. Well, now I think if Oklahoma's beaten someone in the league this, this coming year, we're going to hear SEC chants just from OU fans talking about their next move. You know when you say something so many times that it just loses all, all meaning? That's <laughs> the SEC chant because we've heard it from all sides now. I've heard OU fans chant it at Alabama, the basketball game. I've heard it chanted against OU. It, the chant, has, I guess, has, has lost the whole meaning now. And, mm-hmm. and I guess it's all about the context, but it's, it's quite funny. You're exactly right. And finally, the final top thing I have, the one series I'm looking forward about the SEC move, we talked about all these schools. I'm looking for OU Arkansas. We saw some of that rivalry in basketball the past two years. They played in the BOK Center and had two exciting games. And football, they haven't played, uh, I think, since the Cotton Bowl in, in the uh, 2001 season. And that was, you know, 20 years ago. These schools are just a couple hours drive from each other. I don't know why they haven't played each other in the past. I'm really looking forward to that OU Arkansas rivalry heating up and, and playing, especially in football, playing each other. What do you think? Neutral site, Arkansas, Oklahoma at Tulsa Union High School? What, 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 do, you, what do we think? Union High School, Broken Arrow High School, Wassel High School. Hey, let's just play it in Tulsa. I'd love that. It's it's the midway point. Yeah, let's let's see what happens. <laughs> so Eli and I will have a lot more SEC talk as the weeks go on. This is really, really fresh. And I think there'll be a lot of news develop as the weeks go on. So we're looking forward to that. And like uh, like the fans, we're prepping ourselves. So um, basketball, let's move on to OU basketball. Big game tomorrow. And uh, boy, uh, the, the Sooners really look good at Baylor. I mean, it was a closer game than years past. I know Porter Moser doesn't want moral victories, but I think they played better. And now they got a big one come to Lloyd Noble Center on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, after this, this all probably has to start with the, the West Virginia beatdown because the Sooners, well, we recorded last week and then the Sooners went to Morgantown uh, and got smoked in a week that really could have been uh, transformative for the Sooners was, was in fact the opposite because they beat Alabama uh, and they could have, you know, in terms of relative soft spots in the schedule, Oklahoma State and, and West Virginia marked an opportunity there. It could have been three straight wins uh, or even if they'd gotten two of the three. It just it was not the week I think that uh, that the Sooners needed, and it ended with uh, just a, a smackdown in Morgantown. And, and afterward, Porter Moser basically said, "You know, this isn't going to be a lineup change. It's not going to be one tweak. We've got to get back to the grit that we had played with, and that is supposed to define this team." And I think you saw some of that at Baylor. It certainly it, it was a, a much more competitive game than either of the last two. Uh, really, going into Baylor, I think OU uh, had played four straight, you know, non-competitive past in terms of the score where they were really never in it so it was an improvement there but as you said moral victories in February uh, when you're really on the fringes as is are only going to get you so far because the Sooners now three wins in 2023 they've lost seven of the last eight big 12 games and five of those last six uh, have come by 10 points or more and so uh, it was an encouraging turnaround in, in one regard and, and obviously you know it, who know, what would a 40-point loss at Baylor have signaled in terms of, of, of where this team is at? But uh, on the whole, you know, it's, it's still not trending well, and, and there's bright spots in Joe Bamisil and Otega Owe, and, and the fact that 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 grit that Porter Wizard spoke about so much before they went down to Waco, it, it was back, but uh, here we are, and, and that tournament contention looks further and further away. And 
and all you've got next are, are Kansas and Kansas State at home. Yeah, I think the key is everyone. You're playing to March now. You're playing for that yeah. that trip to Kansas City. You want to, you know, but the thing is, what Oklahoma team is going to show up? And you know, you want to be peaking at the end of the season. There's still time. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You're right. It's going to be the Sunflower State schools are going to be. It's going to be yeah. tough against those two schools. So we'll see what happens. Women's basketball, second place in the Big 12, playing really well. I, I think a uh, big win at Baylor this week. Uh, they were down 12 with four and a half to play. Came back, forced overtime, scored five points in like a six-second span. Uh, one in overtime in, in Waco. Uh, and uh, they're really playing well. I think they're they're playing uh, for a chance to host. They're trying to get that four seed. There's still some work to be done. But uh, I, I've been impressed with the way uh, Jenny Baranchek's teams have played. Um, they got a big one against Kansas State on Sunday. Uh, Kansas State's playing well. And Kansas State is led by Gabri Gregory, uh, OU transfer. She was on the Sooners roster last year, Holland Hall graduate. Now she's uh, one of the best players in the league. She's having a heck of a year. Good for Gabby. Great, you know, a good kid. I enjoyed talking to her in the limited times we had an opportunity to talk to her. She dealt with some health issues at OU and came back and uh, just found a new home in Manhattan playing really well. Uh, but Oklahoma, as they hit the second stretch of the season, they're really going to have to, you know, try to try to get to that four spot. I mean, there's still some big games on the schedule. They're going to, but they're they're really playing well. They're still uh, they're healthy. I, you know, knock on wood. I know Jenny Branchek's going to want me to knock on wood by saying that they they've been healthy for the most part, remained healthy. So it's been a lot of fun watching this team. And there's only a couple more times left to see Maddie Williams, Taylor Robertson, and Anna Lunusa play at home. So I think that's going to be key, key too. Yeah, they've got uh, still some some really big ones on the schedule. I think no bigger what than than Texas coming in on uh, which date is that? It's at the twenty twenty fifth. They're coming to Norman. Uh, that's a big one, and and I think this is about it's about you know we, we talk about the OU men having to kind of now build from a pretty significant deficit for the OU women if they're chasing that that four seed a top four seed uh, going into Kansas City. It's about banking wins now and and putting together as good a case as possible so that when they go to Kansas City, maybe they can bolster it with, you know, a few more wins over quality conference opponents. But what they do in these next few weeks and, and being able to build for them, I guess, you know, some some reinforcement on the resumes is is, is huge. And, and they've got they've got the schedule and they've got the team to uh, certainly do it. Two more things I want to ask. Uh, first of all, OU softball uh, opened the season yesterday. Know. Uh, Unbelievable. You know, uh, 2-0. and Everyone expected them to be 2-0, and of course. I don't think this is the way that they everyone thought they'd be 2-0 then, though they needed a 1-0 extra inning game against Liberty uh, to finish off a sweep. And and uh, the offense, I think so much expectation of the offense, they they struggled. Uh, and they're playing in Irvine, California in the Mark Campbell Invitational. They struggled offensively, but as much as they struggled offensively, Jordy Ball and uh, Nicole May threw shutouts. And uh, Nicole May, what, what a game. Ten strikeouts and eight innings. Only allowed four hits in the nightcap against Liberty. And this is a good Liberty team. They're the, the preseason favorites in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Uh, uh, good softball is good softball. And this Liberty team's a really good team. So it was a good win for the Sooners. And I think it was a way for them to step back and take a look at themselves and say, okay, season started. You know, there's a lot of way, ways they want to improve. And I think uh, yesterday, the way that they played, it's a, it, it's kind of a, an awakening to, okay, you got to play well every time you go out and play. And where do they go from here now, Eric? They uh they play tonight against Stanford Friday night Stanford nine thirty Central Time so it'll be another late night and then uh, I think they got a game tomorrow at nine uh, try to I can't remember the who they play tomorrow at nine 
but yeah, they're out there and they're going to be favorites. And here's the thing. If they go 5-0 and this week, uh, Patty Gasso will win 1,400. It'll be her 1,400 career win. If they go 5-0 and this weekend, it'll be the program's 1,900th career win. So uh, that, that's milestones this weekend. But if you ask Patty Gasso and ask this team, it's only one game at a time. They're not going to look too much forward about numbers. They just want to win against Stanford on Saturday night. Uh, Eli, you got a you got a busy Saturday. You got basketball, Kansas game, and then uh, baseball. We're just a week away from baseball. It's hard to believe, you know, when you said that softball was back, and obviously the games were last night. It's like it's really hard to believe that the diamond sports are here. They seem to come earlier every year. Although I think the calendar would tell you it's about the same. But yeah, we've got tomorrow's uh, OU baseball media day, talking about obviously the the reigning national runner ups and. Uh, a, a really new look team for Skip Johnson. It's not the same group. They lost uh, a testament to how good they were last year, where all the guys who got drafted and, and are now off in the pros. Uh, but they've had a lot to replenish. They're confident. I think there's, for the returning guys and for Skip Johnson, I'm sure some confidence in what they did last year that you don't need to be playing your best baseball in February or March. It's about what you do uh, in the latter part of the season. And and so uh, we'll see. It'll be an, an exciting to kind of get in front of this team in, in bulk for the first time and, and to see what they're about, see who they've got. Uh, and I'll have a whole lot more to report back after tomorrow. But we're all headed to, now toward that February 17th opener against Cal Baptist, who we've uh, highlighted on the podcast before. Uh, and, and they'll be going from there. It's, that, that one starts at home and then they uh, they hit the road for actually they're, they're home for most of uh, February. Might be some cold baseball. Here in Norman. We'll see. <laughs> uh, looking forward to Skip Johnson. Love one of my favorite interviews. Great guy. Just so much fun. So, Eli, it's going to be fun watching some baseball this year. Uh, I think that'll do it from today. And, you know, by this time we talk next week. Oh, last thing. One more link. One more thing. Super Bowl prediction. Who's going to win? Oh. A lot of, you know, I wrote a story on uh, Barry Switzer's $28,000 post game party after the Cowboys won and some other thoughts of OU memories. You're working on a Jalen Hurts feature. Eight sooner, eight players with OU ties in this game. Uh, if we include Grant Calcaterra, who transferred to SMU, there's eight Sooners in this. So, ton of OU players in this game. Philadelphia, Kansas City. Who's your win? Who's going to win? On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was told Jalen Hurts was an Alabama player. <laughs> uh, he's an SEC player now. We can just there say you that. Go. We'll just say well, that. I'd say my overall stance on that is it's an absolutely ridiculous debate. He played for both schools. So, yeah. He's a player for both schools. And I'm riding with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, though. I think uh, – I just think they've got too much talent. I mean, I to say that, and we're talking about he's going against the NFL MVP and Pat Mahomes, but I, I, I'll i take Hurts and, and the Eagles. How about you? I'm going to go with the Eagles, too. And and I have a lot of friends who are Kansas City fans, but I'm going to go with the Eagles. I, I, I just want to know Mahomes, uh, you know, what's his health like? What's he going to be like? He's had a couple of weeks to – to kind of get well, but it's still going to be tough. And uh, the key is, you know, Jalen Hurts, what kind of game he's going to have. And he's shown it every time he goes out there, just really, really good, takes care of the football. That run, that running ability, we saw at Oklahoma, it's translated into the NFL. So I really, I'm going with Philadelphia, uh, but I think it's going to be a good game. That'll be the interesting thing. So, all right, next week, uh, we'll probably have more SEC news to talk about. I think things will happen between now and next week, so we'll talk about that. Just be sure and read Eli and I, my work, uh, TulsaWorld.com. We're going to cover everything from all the sports, from football to all the, the, the spring sports. And as always, you can find all of our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you use. Thanks so much for listening, watching our Tulsa World spot, uh, uh, podcast featuring OU Athletics.